This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. Launched in 2005, Dream Symbols is the partnership of passionate Canadian instrument designers and generations of Chinese gong smiths. So try one out at your local dealer. I think you're going to dig it. The prices are great. They've got some cool stuff that sounds funky, trashy, also some stuff that's clean. Uh, also, follow them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, show them some Modern Drummer Podcast love, and let's get to the show. What is up, everyone, and welcome into episode 154 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com, and my co-host, who will be joining me shortly, is Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. After Mike and I get all caught up, we'll talk a little education, we're going to be talking about belly dancing rhythms applied to the drum set. It sounds a little weird, but trust me, it's awesome. After that, we'll dive into the career and playing of Under Oath's Aaron Gillespie. In our gear review section, we'll be taking a look at a Bone Custom Drums Company kit that is maple and carbon fiber. It's an amazing drum set after that we'll get to a bunch of your listener questions and as always we'll give you our picks of the week so let's get started i felt it i felt that that was a good one how are you man i'm doing all right not too bad we're at episode 154 so we're back on track i feel like we lost a little bit of momentum but i feel like we're you know we're ready to get back onto it i'm actually um feeling really good about my basic prep i wanted to talk about that a little bit yeah we should because about sure Two three weeks ago, I was I had one of those like, what the hell am I doing? There's no way I'm going to have anything that anyone cares about. I went through that whole thing, okay, of that, men- which is normal mentally. Like just just mm-hmm. just, it, you know what happens with every gig for me too. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do the gig. I don't want to go. I don't want to. I don't want to get in the car. <laughs> I don't want to play. Yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. No, no totally. I've had those things where it's like the biggest opportunity opportunity in my life at the time, and I'm kind of okay with like it getting canceled yeah, because it takes the pressure off right like i've had delays on the way to major drum festivals and i'm like if i can't make it there in time i'm kind of okay with that like and then by the time i get there i'm like what was i thinking this is like the greatest opportunity ever but yeah we i think we both go through the same thing that takes me back to like little like all-star games when i'm like can we just have a rain out like i don't want to pitch i don't want to pitch today (laughs) Totally. Don't hit it to me. 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 Oh, my God. He hit it to me. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so, so, okay. But you're over that hump. Yeah. You're so I, I decided what I was going to do um, was I was going to actually pre-record my entire presentation. And essentially, I'm going to have like five hours of material that I'm then going to kind of pick what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of created I've created like the first mini course, if you will. It's a four-part course on one topic that I think is going to be the first 25 30 minutes of my clinic so that just doing that like saying okay this week i'm going to make four five to ten minute videos i'm going to talk through everything that i want to talk about i'm going to have to be able to play it to the point where i'm not embarrassed by what i'm playing and then just watch it over and over again and see if it's relevant or what i want to do and then do it again with another topic so i'm going to try to figure out what three things are going to be the most valuable um, so anyway, I wanted to talk about it because I also wanted to invite anyone listening. I've opened it up. I made one of the videos public on my YouTube channel and also on my Patreon page. So I kind of want people to try it out and give me some feedback. Because cool. it's, it's a little bit um, – uh, basically the whole concept is adding improvisation into your your technical practice. So you're not just okay. learning exercises and then moving on to another exercise. Trying to bridge the gap between – you learn something, how do I use it creatively? So the whole first course is nothing but single strokes and double strokes and different ways to use those two things. Nice. So if anyone listening, they want to give it a shot, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash Mike Dawson Drums or YouTube. Um, I think the same thing. If you just search Mike Dawson Drums, you'll find it. I kind of want some feedback. Nice, I want some honest feedback. Yeah. I'm curious if it works. Absolutely. I think that would be great. Uh, you know, one other thing I'd recommend for your clinic prep <clears throat> is something that I see a lot of drummers struggle with when I do drum festivals. And I can tell that that was the one thing they didn't practice is, and these are like, you know, some of the greatest drummers in the world, but it just never clicked for them to practice it. I would highly recommend getting a boom stand next to your face. Oh, in yeah. your practice room Interesting. because yeah. watching somebody fidget with that the whole time and then yeah. it slips down right. and then they, they they think they put it in the right place but they don't realize how uncomfortable they are on the drum set now their drumming is suffering because they're trying to get to the microphone but it's putting them in an awkward position and i would yeah. definitely 
That's spend true. Spend time with that. I've seen that. Because I do that. Yeah. Go ahead. I've seen that, and I've, and I've seen where they'll they'll just abandon the microphone altogether and just start talking. It's like, dude, I can't hear you. <laughs> get, yeah, yeah, get yeah. Microphone. Yeah. Well, because they always go, can everyone hear me? And then no one's going to yell, nope. So everyone goes, like the first 10 people in the front row say, yeah. And then the guy's like, okay. And then the person may not be able to actually project for the room. I mean, you you have to have a microphone, and it has to be in a position that's comfortable for you. You also have to learn how to play dynamically, which is not a problem for you as a player by any means, but you need to learn how to play dynamically while speaking. It's a whole different level of dynamics that you're talking over. And I treat it just like the way you would edit audio. Like my volume comes down while I'm speaking, and then as soon as I stop speaking, it comes back to normal level. And then when I start talking, it comes down, but the tempo can't drop. So all that stuff has to be practiced if you want to have a well-oiled clinic. Um, so I think it'll be awesome, and I definitely encourage everybody to try out your stuff. It's funny, like, so I haven't given away the full secret, but one of the rabbit holes we do in camp is double strokes. Mm. And so it's been this weird circle of, like, okay, so Carter came to camp here, or we taught a camp together, mm. and he was doing some stuff with paradiddles that I'd never seen. So that made me decide hell, I, I sure as hell can't do it with paradiddles. I'm going to go backwards to double strokes. Mm. So then I write like 10 pages of content about how far you can push double strokes without changing the tempo. Then he puts up a video like two days ago yeah. of him pretty much playing <laughs> everything that's in my book. But then I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta tell him now. Like, hey, just so you know, I wrote this like six months ago. Please don't think that I'm... Because now I'm going to teach it at the UK drum show, and I don't want him to be like, bro, did you see my Instagram video? It's like, no, no, no. I had it written down, and then and knowing Carter, that's like to him, which you know to most people would be like maxing out. He's like, oh, that thing, that was a joke. You should see what I do with it at home. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> and then watching what you can do with singles and doubles, it's kind of crazy that we almost maxed out the complications of YouTube, and then have come all the way back around to like, can you play singles and doubles? Yeah, you well, know, I went uh, so far as the, the whole point of this little mini course is. Not single, not double stroke rolls, but can you do singles and just right hand doubles? Can you do singles and just left hand doubles and improvise? Right, right, right. That's freely? what I mean. Yeah, it's a totally I mean, slightly my, different for me. Right, right, and and our, the doubles that we're doing in camp never get past ninety BPM as sixteenth ounce. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's not. It's about really. I think really what I'm trying to teach with doubles, and you could do it with singles, doubles, paradiddles combinations. I think it's just I'm trying to teach control. Can you control every note, or do you just kind of mm. turn your hands on and go to this autopilot thing? But you really have no control over what's happening. You know, when when I do a double stroke roll at you know close to max speed, it's like turning on a faucet. It's just, but I'm not controlling the drips coming out of the faucet. Oh, yeah, it's right. just just flow. Yeah, um, you know. And so this is a totally different thing that's making its way into my groove playing. And what it's really teaching me is how to properly ghost into a backbeat, how to properly ghost after a backbeat, how to have two ghosts, two accents, um, and just control every single thing I'm doing. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing results from the pad. I'm seeing results in my groove playing, which is just so much fun uh, That's cool. to have it sounds like, that texture. I mean, if what, it sounds like kind of the things that we're talking about would feed each other because I'm, I'm trying to fill the gap of you've got all this stuff that you've practiced and you feel like you've got good control over it now what rather than waiting six months for it to just magically appear i feel like you can actually okay you mastered an inverted paradiddle with an accent on the first right can you improvise with that immediately like right away that's i feel like that's kind of the missing gap in a lot of education and it's mainly because i think it's hard to teach um it's also a missing gap in people practicing because it's not fun to be that exposed. Yeah. When you have what you said, inverted paradiddle accent the first note, it's either right or it's wrong. There's no options in between. You either can do it or you can't do it. As soon as somebody says, okay, be creative with that, that's when the self-doubt creeps in. You go, oh, I suck. And it's like, no, no, no. You are just very inexperienced at being creative. Yeah. I don't think Ari Hone goes through that. He's a creative dude. Well, yeah, because he's he like, this is my favorite it. part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he practices it. Exactly. And I did try it. I have a nine-year-old student. I think he's still nine. He might be 10, but in the lesson yesterday, I, I had him do the very basic version of what I'm talking about, just playing singles, alternating singles, and every once in a while throw in a double right, just just improvising and stand with, right. with okay. a metronome. So like the first, 
you know, the first four, four, eight bars, he kept kind of like stopping, like, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm like, just, just keep going, man. I'll play it. I'll keep time with you. I'll just play singles. And within two minutes, he was having fun with it. I was like, oh, okay. That's well, cool. we got through that insecurity thing. Now yep. you, now you understand and you can just kind of do it. Yeah. And I mean, it can be tough to get people also, or to get drummers. And we went through this for sure. But to understand that that one single double that flips you to potentially left hand lead, you're not wrong. It's okay that you're leading with your left hand for a second. Yeah, like, right, exactly. You still keep the flow of notes going. Like if I didn't have video of it, how would I know that you're on right hand lead or left hand lead? You know, and yeah. I think those are, I always call those get out of jail free cards where you need to know, like, okay, if I'm shuffling or I'm playing triplets and all of a sudden I'm stuck in left hand lead, one right hand shuffle brings you back to right hand lead Da-da, and now you're back on right it's mm-hmm. okay yeah it, and it, you know i know you didn't something went wrong and all of a sudden you're leading with your left hand but just a da-da, you're back on the right it's okay and you have to learn those things and not be scared of them and actually start to embrace them and, and get new sounds out of it well we should definitely dig into that further as uh as people are testing out your system and as you're getting closer to basic but yeah sounds cool so man. let's sounds uh, really cool let's thank jason reeve for sending in that groovy intro beat that we were just talking about <laughs> the whole time. That was awesome. Little B three, wake you up in the morning. Yeah, so that's Jason. Um, I, you know, I've I've hung with Jason a little bit via Skype a few times. Great drummer and also a really good musician. He's he practices piano as much as I think maybe even more than he practices drums. Now. Do you think that's him playing all of that? He is. He played everything. So that oh, wow. um, he he sent some notes. Oh. I recorded the drums using two Rode M5 condensers plugged into GarageBand via a two-channel mixer. I played the other instruments using GarageBand sounds, so I'm assuming a MIDI keyboard, and he was okay. playing the the bass and the keyboard sounds that come with GarageBand. So, gotcha. He always he always apologizes. Sorry about the poor keys playing, but dude, he he can play some piano. I've heard it. So good job, Jason. That's awesome. I loved it. I thought that was great intro music to talk over. So and. You know, if he would have gotten a little off in that shuffle he was jiving, he could have just done a little did and then he'd be back on the right hand. It'd be fine. Two kicks, good, good. You're back. It's all good. All right. Well, let's talk about a little educational sauce here. So this is definitely not something that I would think from the headline would be applicable to many drummers until you start reading the notation, singing the rhythms in your head, singing the grooves in your head, and you just think, dang, if, if there are if there wasn't accompanying music to this, this is this is some really cool drum stuff. So we're talking about belly dancing rhythms applied to the drum set. Yeah, so the article in the September issue is actually a part two of something we did back four years ago by uh, Ruben von Rompe. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But he's taking Turkish and other kind of North African and Middle Eastern rhythms that are played for for belly dancing and applying them to the drum set. Uh, awesome. Which again, you think, okay, it's going to sound like world music, but the first beat, no. we're going to drop in the audio from example one. It's in 5.8, but the thing is funky as heck. So I programmed this in Ableton Live, and it's the Easy Drummer vintage sample library. So it's it's programmed, but you can still hear it's pretty funky. Let's check that out first. Honestly, that could be the intro to five different Zeppelin tunes. Yeah, right. Right? <laughs> it doesn't feel There's like a, it's an odd time to me. It feels groovy. No. I mean, that's and that's a tough thing. 5-8 is short. It's five yeah. eighth notes. You're missing three out of the, out of the <laughs> eight eighth notes that you would normally have in one measure. So it's a short groove. So in that short amount of time to have a hook, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, and it seems like I the, dug that one. the tendency for many of these beats is to put more of an accent on the last part of the measure rather than the downbeat. That seems to be the stylistic difference that I'm noticing with these rhythms is they mm-hmm. they emphasize what you think would be an upbeat more often, which right. is really cool. So that one is called the shoosh. It's the shoosh. A, it's a five-beat rhythm of Persian origin, and it's mainly used in improvisational uh, belly dance styles. So that's kind of used to kind of evoke a trance-like state, he says. So yeah, I would assume if you're playing that in a traditional setting, you stay there for the most part. If you're trying to create a trance-like state, 
You're not going to start dropping heat all over that yeah. thing. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, here it comes. Here's my licks. Um, and then what was the name of the second one you had? The second one is a 6-8 beat from uh, Morocco or Algeria. It's called the Chaibi, C-H-A-A-B-I, Chaibi, Chaibi. I don't know. Yeah, we're I crushing don't, this. I don't speak uh, anything but really bad English, so... <laughs> so, so deal with this so this one i i've grabbed because i'd love the fact that there is no downbeat but it's still super freaking groovy so it's in six eight you'll hear the snare is accenting on two and the end of four the kick drum is on three and six so again it's kind of anchored by this you know emphasis on the upbeat the three and the six let's check it out Man, that one is so easy to turn around. Yep. Like the American drummer in you just goes, and the kick is now one. <laughs> right, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I'm good. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> You're flipped. You're flipped. <laughs> Hit some hi-hats twice, and then you'll be back on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, when you see the title of the article, I think the natural rock drum tendency is like, cool, I don't need that. And then you hear the beats without the music accompanying it, and it's like, uh, these would be killer rock grooves. Yeah. Pop or, or grooves, funk, funk grooves. grooves. Yeah, I could hear yeah. someone like Adam Deitch using these with lettuce and, and totally. taking it the whole super groovy and, spot. And you've plo- and you've I can't say the word program. You've programmed them super straight. You could swing yeah. these too. That five if you swung it a little bit, oh. Yeah. I'm excited to awesome. kind of dig into them more. So there's a whole bunch. Um, let's see, there's one, two, three, there's five more beats in the article if you haven't checked it out. Uh, I had been programmed everything, so you're going to have to kind of figure them out on your own. But those two, um, those are two of the funkier ones. The next one is in seven eight, and then there's one in nine eight, then ten eight, eleven ten, eight, eight, thirteen eight. Yeah, the ten, eleven, and thirteen eight, they kind of have like a six eight, twelve eight feel with some missing eighth notes. Super, super right. progressive sounding. And to think yeah. that this is like traditional music is what I think is amazing. It's not right, right. It's not like Prague. Well, <laughs> Turkish it just, Prague. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just shows us how young our culture is artistically compared to the rest of the world. When if this is what they're dancing to, I always, yeah, right. you know, kind of think about being at that Zakir Hussein concert, sitting next to a bunch of sixty-year-old women who are clapping in nine like it was nothing, and <laughs> yeah. I couldn't find the one, and I was like, okay, <laughs> America, when it comes to this. You lose. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but you have no shot in hell, uh, any of you out there, of pronouncing these grooves. So uh, if you want the if you want to send us some intro of you just trying to pronounce these grooves, that'd be fantastic. We can play that next week. But yeah, definitely. And uh, there's a free tool on Mike'sLessons.com. You don't have to log in. You don't have to sign up. But you could just plug these into the Groove Scribe. That way you know for a fact you programmed it right because you can see it right in front of you. Mm-hmm. You can change to any time signature in the world. Um, so just go to mikeslessons.com and click on apps and then open the Groove Scribe. It's free. Like I said, you don't log in. We don't need your email address. You just use the dang thing and have fun with it. And uh, this, you know, you could definitely use that with these. So, all right, awesome. So definitely check out the education article, Belly Dance Rhythms for Drum Set, uh, Part 2, Exploring Odd Meters by Ruben Van Rompuy and Orvon. Anyone that has Van or Vaughn as a little middle, yeah, I'm not sure. They're doing, they're doing just fine. <laughs> doing just fine. All right, let's talk about. Are we talking drummer? Are we talking Aaron Gillespie? That's right. I'm Aaron not scared. Gillespie, back with Under Oath, dude. The kid can bash. He can. So uh, I've probably referenced a few different drummers in the time that we've done this show, but he was definitely a drummer that I saw when I saw it was like a Under Oath making of a, of the album documentary or something and there was just a quick clip of him in the studio just destroying the kit and that was <laughs> one of those moments where I'm like I am too old for this like I cannot hang with that <laughs> like it was so intense I'm like I there's yeah. no way my body would withstand that abuse <laughs> he's, he's a powerful cat you know I don't think he gets enough credit for it maybe just because the time has passed but he is probably the minor that people know right now. 
he's probably one of the biggest reasons for it even being in existence. Like, I have no doubt that Meinl would have been a successful company, but Aaron Gillespie on the U.S. side of things, you know, there was there was going to be Thomas Lang and Benny Greb and everybody in Europe doing their thing, and eventually Yost Nickel and Annika and everything, but. Early Meinl, when Byzance was just being introduced, 2010, like Aaron Gillespie was their poster child, and it worked. You know, everyone. I, I can't even tell you how many Aaron Gillespie signature products there still still are. Even though he's not, I mean, well, I don't know if they're for sale now, but I mean, like, I'm talking like symbol bags and everything. And yeah, he was a huge. What's that? I missed all that. I didn't know he had all that stuff. The oh yeah, products. no, he, he was like the poster child of Meinl for sure and, and he was a big reason why they were taken seriously in that kind of Vans Warp Tour Ozfest world mm-hmm. um, was because of Aaron Gillespie so that's how I found out about him was through all that through Meinl and just being like who is this guy that they're putting so much weight into and then just see him play I mean he's just an absolute animal you know and he sings that's the part that, that- Right. My mind. He can play a section where he's pummeling the kit and then sing all the melodic parts for the band and then go back to mm-hmm. pummeling the kit. That I wouldn't have the the lung capacity to even begin to think about I know. doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty incredible how intense he plays. And if you haven't seen Aaron play, just well, you can just type in Aaron Gillespie um, into YouTube. But you're you're going to get a lot of Zildjian videos and promo videos and stuff. But the one that you sent me, the Under Oath. Young and inspired Aaron Gillespie drum video live. That is just. I mean, you're you're sitting. You're his drum tech in these videos. Yeah, right. You're sitting right behind the kit. It's an awesome venue, and he is just an absolute manimal raised at Jurassic Kick Park. <laughs> what was For that? Real? <laughs> uh, what raised at Jurassic Kick Park? Yeah. Wow, that's an odd one. Where'd that come from? <laughs> Dude, have you never heard me say that? I no. always say that. Like, that dude is raised at Jurassic Kick Park, man. Um, yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme it. Guy's no joke. Give you a flat lip. A flat lip. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like Aaron would punch you hard enough that it would flatten your lip. You wouldn't get a fat lip. You'd get a flat lip. Oh, my uh, All right, goodness. moving on. He's pretty good. <laughs> So yeah, so we did a story on Aaron in the current issue. We haven't seen it yet. It's, it's so he he took some time away from Under Oath to do his own thing at a solo project where he stepped out front and sang and played guitar. Um, and then I don't know when it was, but just not too long ago, Under Under Oath did some reunion shows, and then they decided to make a whole new record. Um, so it's an interesting um, you know return to that. And he talks about using some vintage drums for a lot of the record, which I thought was. You know, different than what you'd expect from a, a new metal band or whatever you want to call that genre, right? Hardcore and metal put together, um, right? Yeah, he's using some vintage drums as well as a brand new Gretsch USA custom kit. Yeah, and I would, I mean, check out the new album that he's actually on. So, um, the new album is called I had it here. Oh, Erase Me, and you'll hear. In the album, right away, you'll hear that they were clearly a band in 2010, meaning that you'll hear the pop of like maybe a pop punk band like Amberlynn. You'll hear like that catchiness where it's like, oh, wow, this isn't just metal in your face. Like this has hooks to it. You'll hear the diversity and the musicianship of a band from that same area era like 2010 2013 like envy on the coast where there's a lot of unison stuff going on in the band and some pretty cool drum stuff with aaron but then because it was recorded recently and because they've developed as a band you'll hear something where you go okay i can't compare that to another band that's just modern metal Mm. and it's a combination of all those things and i think it's I mean, the new album's awesome. So uh, it's called Erase Me by Under Oath, and it just came out this year. So he's using 17-inch hi-hats, which is a actually a K-Constantinople crash over top of a K-Constantinople suspended symbol. Big and sloshy. Good God. He's using a 22-inch overhammer ride as one of his crashes, and a 22-inch Renaissance ride as another crash, and a 23-inch sweet ride, I guess, for the ride. So big, big pies. <laughs> Dude, I just yeah, I like I said, Jurassic Kick Park. <laughs> That's dinosaur stuff right there, man. That's just 
That's just going in. <laughs> right. Love it. All right, let's drop, um, let's drop in a little bit of audio from that uh, drum cam video, shall we? Absolutely. All right, it's time to thank Dream Symbols for sponsoring the show. I just checked out their Facebook page. They had sent me a while ago like that, a, a pretty long little mini documentary about their stuff, but they've been kind of cutting it up into pieces where you can see segments that focus on different series. So if you go to their Facebook page, I think it was July 27th they posted a little, um, how long is it? It's just a few minutes discussing their Dark Matter series, which is one of my favorites in their, their whole lineup. It's kind of an unlathed, raw, uh, multi-purpose series. So check that out, and also go to their website and check out the lessons uh, that we talked about before. They've, they've updated a couple more. So Dream, uh, thanks for sponsoring the show, and where are we at now? Now we've got some bone custom drums. Bone in. custom drums. And they are in sizes where you and I are both like, hell, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Is it a 17 by 20? Is it a 17 inch head? Is it 20 inches deep? Is it a 15 by 14? Like, I get it. Um, you know what? I, I literally, I just got into a thing on with some guy on Instagram. He's like, don't you mean 5 by 14? And I said, no, no. I don't care what Dawson says. I don't even care what the damn drum industry says. The first number out of my mouth is the drum head you buy. I'm done. I like even if I have to change the whole industry by myself. Um, yeah, so this okay. one is really confusing because it is a 17 by 20 inch bass drum, which is 17 inches deep, 20 inch head. The floor toms are what's really screwy. So there's a 15 by 14 and a 15 by 16 floor tom, which means and neither of them have 15 inches. They're heads. both 15 inches deep, but one's a 14 yes. and one's a 16. Which made <sighs> actually was surprisingly cool for a setup because I could just get them identical it was so easy to have them the same yeah. same height yeah i just put the leg you know because on the legs there's always those two marks i just put yeah. it the same spot and hey there they are perfect i don't have to adjust anything <laughs> and i know for a fact when i see six by ten that it's not just a pvc pipe so i know that it's a 10 inch tom yeah, yeah. and it's six inches deep very Got shallow that. shallow tom seven yeah. by twelve rack tom six by ten rack tom very shallow so this is we haven't even talked about what they are uh, Bonehead, Bone is a is a. Where are they from? They're from Slovenia. Slovenia, uh, high, end, high 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 end custom handmade stuff. They've been at Nam for the past few years, and it's always at the Nam show where I go and see something cool. I'm like, let's review that. So this was like their featured kit at Nam this past year. Um, what it is is it's a maple shell, but then they put a layer of carbon fiber on the inside of the shell. Which is not something I've Weird. seen. I mean, it might be maybe someone's done it before. There's been some fiberglass wood hybrids, but I haven't seen carbon fiber layered on the inside of wood before. Right, pretty neat. Now I'm assuming, um, and you you were the one playing this kit, so I'm assuming, knowing that Bone is a pretty legit, amazing company. How did it look on the inside? I mean, was it like seamless, or could you tell that it was just slapped in there? No, I mean it was it was seamless. You couldn't even I really it was pretty tell. clean. Yeah, it was clean, okay. cleanly applied. I didn't see any any like chunkiness or anything weird. Okay, um, cool. Edges were all super clean. Uh, Chris Kozar did the review, but I did the demo video, so he spent a lot of time with it and really liked it. I just spent like an hour. I basically took the kit. You know, he returned it. I took it to the kit get to the studio set it up and demoed it didn't touch a drum key didn't do anything and it sounded awesome so i'm looking at the 12 and it looks like the let lugs aren't centered on purpose so it looks like there's really long tension rods and then really short tension rods um like the top has shorter tension rods than the bottom yeah they, that- they kind of do a lot of asymmetrical stuff you'll see the bass drum has okay. like extra wide front hoop but a normal batter side hoop yep they do little things that kind of tweak it to be not quite cool. uh, super symmetrical. Yeah, I wonder if there's for them if there's a sonic reason, but you can tell super well built hardware. I mean, especially like the floor tom leg holders or, or leg clamps are just super beefy. So okay, you have like seriously shallow drums here. Yeah, uh, yeah. six inches deep on the ten, seven on the twelve. Did you still get good resonance out of it? Tons of resonance. In fact, okay. the um, when I was mixing the audio, the rack toms sounded humongous. I had to kind of compensate the floor toms a little bit to to blend with the rack toms. Tons wow. of tone. I mean, I think 
because you hit it and right away you're getting tone from um, the Rezo head. Yeah, sure. so they were they were impressive. I really liked the ten. Actually, both the rack toms I really liked. The floor toms were were awesome too. They just sounded like kind of normal floor toms. Okay. So yeah, I had to just kind of add a tiny little bit of low end beef to the floor toms just to make them match the the bigness of the rack toms. Ironically, that's crazy. Well, let's give it a listen. Groove one bar fill. Get those hertas in there. <laughs> Gotta Love do it, it man. Love Gotta it. do it. Yeah, it's funny when you see fast toms in front of you. You're just like, okay, cool. I know what chops I'm throwing yeah. down. I mean, that's what they're designed to do, right? You're not not supposed yeah. to play like Steve Jordan when you've got four toms and two of them are shallow right. and <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So um, I didn't see, but I'm assuming price wise, this is. Yeah, in that upper level, yeah, it's comparable, comparable to what you would get for a handmade custom kit. Um, they cool. do have someone cool. here, I believe, in California that's that acts as their U.S. Uh, distributor, so they are available. But awesome! You, but you can just go to Bone. Ah, I didn't have the website in the article. I think it's just Bone Custom Drums. You, I mean, obviously, Google will find it for you. Um, but they're just they're starting to advertise this line, so I think you'll probably get a nice deal if you're interested in this. I found they had. Um, a lot of attack, a lot of attack, but but a real f- kind of fat sound as well, which was a neat. Nice. I mean, I didn't. I said I had to EQ the floor times, but that was minimal. I didn't have to do much on any of this stuff to get it to snap through. Part of it, nice, I think, is man. the clear two ply heads help. But carbon fiber, I've always liked. Um, even when I pl- I played an all carbon fiber kit, it had just oh, a yeah, man. big sound with a lot of snap. I used to own a carbon fiber kit because uh, Rocket Shells was here in. Sacramento, oh, right? And I used to go over there all the time and just learn about the process. Because I mean, even though they're doing it with carbon fiber, they're still making drums. So it was the only drum factory in Sacramento. So I'd learn about um, bearing edges and all that stuff and what nice. the difference was. Um, but yeah, so and uh, you can just go to bonedrum.com, bonedrum.com, and honestly, their prices for I'm, I'm looking at some of the kits they have in stock, but they're still custom kits. Uh, they're actually definitely in the ballpark for what you'd expect really cool stuff so go to bone drum.com and uh check out this new one now all right let's get into is it question time it is it is damn all right we're episodes flying by cruising through so let's see i've got a handful here um here's one that this question gets asked a lot kind of off the record and i feel like we should probably just address it this is from terry uh, why is it that your readers in New York and Florida cannot enter contests in Modern Drummer? Can the situation be rectified so that many more of us could have an, e- uh, an equal chance at winning a prize? I the, didn't even know that was a thing. The problem is each state has their own laws for that type of stuff. And unfortunately, Florida and New York don't want you to win stuff. So they have a lot of taxes. Really? Yeah, they put a lot of taxes and stuff on giveaways that you know we just can't monitor every law for every state. So, unfortunately, that's why those two states in particular are excluded, which is really strange because we're in New Jersey and New York is right next door. But it's it's all about the laws. Yeah, there's like tax laws that kind of make it, you know, we'll just, we would get smashed with with some fines and stuff. Well, more reason to move to Folsom, California, (laughs) so we can all just hang out and have a big old drum circle. (laughs) Nice. Enter giveaways. Yeah, exactly. All day long. (laughs) Our next one is from um, Senior Squishy. My man. <laughs> no idea who that is, but all right. All right. So he says, I got a senior, it's, it's a he. I've been away from the kit for about two years after I left Guitar Center and had to sell my kit because I was hurting for cash at the time. I recently found myself in a position to be able to purchase a kit, and I want to purchase something that is in the lower end professional range of about $1,000. I've narrowed it down to two options so far. The two options are the Ludwig New Sonic, which is a 12-14-20 configuration, and the shells are 5-ply maple cherry. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, that's not my exact size preferences. Or I could get a Mapex My Identity kit for a little less, and I can get the 13-15-20 setup that I want. 
Mm. Okay, so my question is, should I get the Ludwig and sacrifice my optimal sizes, or should I get the Mapex and sacrifice the quality a little bit? He says, I've sold plenty of my identity kits in my time at GC, so I'm familiar with them, and I played the Signet Gigabeat, which is the Ludwig kit, um, which is more or less the same kit as a new Sonic, and loved it. Any advice would be rad. Whew. That's tough, man. We're both just leaning back in our chairs. Like, well, okay. So if it's you, take him out of this. It's you. And you've got a amazing vintage kit, the shells you've already always dreamed of, but it's not in your sizes. 24, 13, 16. And that's your kit. Or you can just get the exact sizes you want. But you have to do it in something that may not be quite at that level and the shells you've always dreamed of. Okay. Well, I think for me, I'm kind of a strange bird. I don't care about sizes. I mean, I want different stuff. So I, sizes okay. wouldn't be – I don't have a reason to say I have to have a 12, 14, 20 or a 12, 15, 13, 15, 20. There's okay. nothing in me that says that's what I have to have. So I would go with the better bang for the buck. Um, I don't know where these new Sonic shells are made. Um, if you were talking about some of the other, you know, lower professional grade Ludwig stuff, they're made in in Asia, just like the Mapex Identity shells are made in Asia. Right. So I don't think quality wise, you're going to see a huge bump up or down with either one. I had to do a little research to find out where the new Sonic shells are made, but um, <sighs> honestly, for me, I would just I would get the kit. That will inspire me the most when I walk through the door. Like, Yeah, true. You know, I just need to play the damn thing. Like, I don't think it matters in the long run about the sizes, but I know that some of us have a visual in our head of what it – like, if I walk through the door of the Mike's Lesson Studio and there was a 24, 13, 16, I'd probably just – not play drums very much <laughs> like that's not what a drum set looks like in my head like i get it i yeah, know that they yeah. make those sizes but it's like ugh, it's not what i want to play and the and the type of drumming that i'm playing isn't going to respond as well on that kit so the sizes are kind of a big deal the identity thing though the one thing i don't i don't remember is can you just make a normal looking kit with their stuff because yeah. everything they would show off at the time was so yeah crazy you know checkered and neon yeah. green lugs but it's like dude if you can get the sizes you want and the kit to look the way you want, I, I think Mike's right. I don't think you're going to hear a massive difference between the shells. I think the massive difference would be get some good heads, tune it well, and it's going to sound great. Yeah. I mean, here's what I would suggest. I'm looking at the new Sonic. It says this is a new line of USA drums crafted for the working professional. Okay. It doesn't say where the shells are coming from, but right. – um, I'm going to assume that someone in the Ludwig USA factory is going to put their hand on the bearing edges of those drums before they box okay. them up. Gotcha. I would I would ask someone at Mapex if they do the same thing for the identity. Does someone in the Mapex factory actually check the bearing edges, make sure they're true, make sure the shells are right. the way they need to be? If they do the same quality control, then like, yeah, like like you said, whatever one inspires you the most. I kind of like the idea of a maple cherry shell in the new Sonic series that's different um, I would go for that just because it's different rather than yeah. just an all I think it also shell. depends too on how far off those sizes are if it's you he's, know he's if talking I'm doing one tw- inch it's, it's a 12 inch Rackton versus a 13 and a 14 versus a 15 oh then yeah I mean I, I think you're going to be just fine yeah I, I'd probably I'd probably go with the Ludwig and I think you'll, be, you'll definitely have better resale value with that in the future so all right, well, good luck. Let us know what you pick if you haven't already and send us some photos. Yeah, looking forward to the emails from the my Mapex fans. <laughs> They'll be like, you are out of your mind. <laughs> I've, I mean, I've played them identity kits. They're good. They're good kits. I haven't tried the new Sonic kit, but you know, they're, I, I'm a fan of Ludwig in general. So, Yeah. All right, our next one comes from... Uh, this is a, This is from Mint. This is in regards to your recent tour in Thailand. Mint Prim? Um, yes, Prin. Mint Prin Mint. Prim? Yep. Prin? <laughs> Sorry. It's prim. all good. Just keep on moving. Yeah. I know who he is. I don't know what's the first name. Prin, I believe, is his name. But he says this is Mint from Thailand. Um, yeah, I, no, I, that's, that's his 
that's what he goes by. Okay. I, I just met Mike Johnson during the Asia Clinic tour. Um, during the performance, I realized that you were controlling all the tracks by yourself. What I wanted to know from both of you is, as a drummer who controls the music tracks during the gig or clinic, how do you organize your tracks? Do you put them all in a single session, or do you keep them separately? Uh, what are some common problems that you usually run into, and how do you get over it with the software, hardware, etc.? That's great. Well, I'll let you know what I did for that specific tour. It's nothing complicated whatsoever. I do put them all into one session, and all there is, there's only two tracks. Um, when I say tracks, I mean two channels of uh, takes. And all I have is I have the drum, the drum list track in there, and then on track two I have the click, and that's it. Uh, the click is panned hard left. And I give the front of house out of my interface, they get the right side. So they get the track in full stereo, and then I have the track and the click in my in-ears. I'm going out of the left, and that's literally it. And then I just have it um, kind of separated. Uh, I know which which songs I like to actually... I have a couple songs that I'm playing that fade out, and sometimes I actually slightly fade with them and then continue playing without the track and and like solo vamp on the groove that I was just playing. So I'll have maybe a five minute space between that song and the next song. Mm. But that's kind of it. Um, it's, it's pretty simple. I know what my set list is. Uh, the way I structured that last clinic was play, teach, play, teach, play, Q&A, play, out. And uh, so... They just kind of went in, in order. But I, what I don't have, and I don't know, I've never even asked any other drummers. I mean, do you think drummers have, like, the actual stems of what they're playing? Or is it just a, a stereo version of the track? Yeah, I think it just depends. Like, yeah, it just depends okay. on how involved they are. Now, do you put, like, markers in your session so you can just hit it, like, the, the arrow key to get to the next track? Or do you scroll no, over? No, because that, be, that would be smart and simple. <laughs> um, no, no. No, I mean honestly, like I, I have it minimized enough that I can see all four tracks on the screen. Okay. Like I don't. One thing I can't stand is when the drummer keeps looking at his laptop. I'm like, is something going to jump out at you? <laughs> are you not aware of when this song ends? What are you looking at over there? It's like I know what it is. It's a safety net. It's like oh, yeah. I'll just look at the screen and because I don't know where else to look. But honestly, once I hit that space bar, I never look at it ever again. So I play, you know. And then I hit the space bar, and then I move the cursor to the next time. But I could I could put some markers in if it makes <laughs> makes you feel better. I wasn't trying to call you out. I'm just curious how you you know, keep the flow of you know where were you? What if you hit return and it goes back to the beginning? Do you know where the hell you are? I honestly, I mean, it's <laughs> it's so easy. It's like, dude, I don't hit return. Like, there's four tracks. There are these huge chunks of waves. I just go to the. I know I'm on. I know I've played two songs. Go to the third one. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that would be yeah. different if you were doing like multiple songs back to back. Then I think I you'd agree. have to be more organized. I, I literally do have like a four minute space in between each song, just in case I want to vamp after the song's over. So it's really visually very simple for me to see the tracks. But to to Mint's point. What problems do you run into? Honestly, I guess the only problems you can run into are things like, oh, you didn't bring your power supply, but you're backlined. And, okay, so this is a problem I run into almost every time. Let's say for whatever reason I don't have my power supply. I start with a full battery, but I'm the featured artist of this festival, so they've got me backlined. My laptop's open and it's ready to go, but I'm not going to play for another five hours. Mm -hmm. Now, if I go turn the laptop off... What happens is there's never a chance for me to get on that stage until they announce my name. So now I'm going to have to walk out on stage, boot my laptop, and talk to the crowd while I'm trying to start the session. So that's always a little annoying for me. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so many products available now to negate the need for a laptop that it might be worth um, some people exploring. I mean, sometimes you need a laptop. Uh, Like, I actually, similarly, I use Ableton Live for all that because you can put all your files into one scene so it's all in one one screen it's not a left right. to right linear thing it's more like a grid okay. so you can put all your tracks in a horizontal strip and then in the right side cursor you can actually put the bpm so if it's a 90 bpm you just put 90 bpm and then when you click on that arrow it, the tempo automatically changes to 90 bpm the click track is already there right that's great for live if you're doing like if you're playing along to percussion loops and stuff 
you can just very quickly just hit the next scene and it'll just switch within you can tell it to switch immediately you can tell it to switch after one bar after two bars whatever so it'll it'll just switch the tempo automatically and it'll switch to the next chunk of of files that you want to play right so ableton live is kind of designed for that application yeah. But I don't do that very much anymore because I hate that idea of having a laptop on stage that could get wiped out because the subwoofer magnet is too close or the battery could right. die or it could crash or it could go to sleep and you've got to wake it up in the middle of a, in the middle of a gig so or something. So you, if you were playing a four-minute track, where would you be playing it off of? Um, I, I use the Roland SPDS pad okay. or now they sure. have a new product that I just reviewed, the TM6 Pro. That allows you to you can drop in backing tracks and, and a click track separate, and it'll send the click track to the headphones out and the the audio track to the main out, so you don't have to do any configuration that nice. way. Nice. And also for a more simpler setup, there's the SPD One Wave Pad, which has twelve slots, so you can put twelve songs in there that'll do the same thing. The click track will go Perfect. to the headphones, but the audio will go to the main out. The problem with that is there's no screens. You can't see the titles. So if you don't know what is in slot one, you're like, oh, right, which, right, right. what song was that? And then you just... I guess we're playing this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I have to have a laptop with me because as soon as I get back to the hotel, that's when I start editing footage of the day. Uh, so my laptop is with me 24-7 more for editing footage in Premiere than it yeah. is even for audio. The audio is kind of an afterthought. Um, but I, I've really, besides the whole, like, uh, crap, I just finished soundcheck and I don't go on for another six hours. Do I, I mean, because there, there are times where I'm like, can you guys close the curtain after the last guy before <laughs> me so I could just run out there and boot up my laptop? Um, you know, or sometimes I do bring my power supply with me and then I'm like, oh, yeah, this is Ireland. Okay. You guys don't have the little three-pronged jobby that i'm using and i didn't bring that giant chunk of plastic and metal to to make it happen and burn the whole place down um but uh, yeah so so anyways man i think that uh that's probably the way to go is is what we're talking about oh also mint amber is in love with that stuff you sent her uh mint gave me a uh thailand survival pack when i got to the clinic okay it had prickly heat Uh, Do you know what that is? Nope. So prickly heat is the greatest invention ever. It's literally, it says on the package, made for foreigners traveling to Thailand that are not used to our weather and uh, humidity. So (laughs) I need that in New Jersey, man. (laughs) Yeah, no, you do. I'm telling you, order it. Like you can even see, even Udo just posted a picture of it because he was in Thailand. He's like, Mike Johnston, check this out. So anyways... I got it in powder form and in wipes, but let's say you have the wipes. You wipe your skin with it, um, just like you would like disinfectant wipes, and then about three minutes later, your skin is really dry and really cold, and you're cold for the rest of the day in this 110-degree heat with 100% humidity. And so I don't know what kind of like voodoo magic is inside there, but it's also Mint gave me that. Um, but he also gave me this little jar that I guess people in Thailand use as like a sniffing thing. But it's like the it's like herbs and little tree bark and stuff. But you unscrew it and it's like the natural version of Vicks Vapor Rub. Hmm. And you just sniff it and your sinuses are clear. Um, but anyways, my wife has taken it to like almost a crack addict status. Like <laughs> she's just over there like. <laughs> I'm like, babe, I'm going to ease up on that stuff. That can't be healthy. Um, so, yeah, so means in there or something? Yeah, totally. <laughs> she, she's loving it, man. She is loving it. All the way we were just in Carmel this last couple of days, uh, just kind of getting reacquainted since I've been traveling so much. And, yeah, the whole way down, she's like, give me the jar, give me the jar, give me the jar, give me the jar. <laughs> All right. Like so chewing mint. on her fingernails. Yeah, totally. You crushed it, buddy. Turned my wife into an addict, and you kept my skin dry. Appreciate it. Oh, man. All right. One more question. We got this one. This is from Jesse. Jesse, Jesse Simon. Um, I was nice. asked to play a musical theater gig at a large theater in town. Um, let's see. Where did you get to the question? I was told three weeks out I had the music within the week. Long story short, I didn't get the music until the week of the show. Oof. Mm. I got half the music on Monday, half on Tuesday. The band rehearsed on Wednesday. The full cast came in all day Friday, and the show was Friday night. Um, So I was only given a few days to learn parts for about 15 pieces. 
um, while still doing my day job. Um, right. So let's see, say the question is, what are some of the best resources to improve your reading music slash charts and also give you the tools to be able to chart yourself? And then second question, any tips on how to prepare for a show with hardly any lead up when all the music is barring to you? All right. I think we've, I've I definitely recommended Steve Fiddick's uh, At First Sight book before. Um, I think it is the best of the new resources on how to learn how to read charts and how to interpret charts, more importantly. He kind of covers everything from ensemble hits to section hits to setups and fills, and it's all there, different markers that will be in. Because most musical theater stuff that I've seen is written similar to like a big band chart where there might be some some suggested beats, but it's usually just play a shuffle for eight bars and then here's some accents that you have no idea if it's horns or who's playing it so that book is a good resource and has some great play along tracks as well but there's others um yeah what was the one you like the steve houghton yeah the steve houghton one is called drum set anthology is it drum set that might that has like actually like show style drumming in it i believe as well yeah i mean there's one um let me look it up right now. There's one that has like a little bit of everything, like cruise ship gigs, and um, let's see. Yeah, I think that's it. The because um, there's the drum set soloist, but yeah, it's called the Ultimate Drum Set Reading Anthology. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, and then there's another one that has more charts in it called um, Essential Styles for the Drummer and Bassist. Um, is that right? But that's a different type of vibe um but yeah um so check out both of those but i I haven't seen the steve fiddick one and i know that's a much more modern this the steve houghton one was released in 1998 not that show tunes have changed that much but yeah um, the good thing about his book is it shows you the style that things are written in show tunes um i think steve's is more thorough in kind of explaining how to treat all this stuff how to set up what when should you set up stuff when should you not like what what is an what accent that you're you talking to? about oh goodness gracious <laughs> you just totally Fiddick. confused Fiddick. Steve okay. Fiddick. they're both good get them both all right part yeah. to, the, to the second part of the question any tips on how to prepare for a show with hardly any lead up when all the music is foreign to you i think um, this would be a case for make sure you have all your styles under control. So get Tommy Igo's book, get Jim Riley's book, and know what what does a Bo Diddley beat sound like? What does a yeah. two beat swing sound like? What is you know what's a bolero? What's a cha cha? Right. And if you have all your styles, then you can see okay this this one says bolero feel. At least you can play the right beat. <laughs> you know, right. then you can figure out yeah, the stuff. Yeah, and you have to be careful too. I mean, you've probably dealt with this a lot more than I have, just because I haven't done it in a long time. But I remember when I was coming up through that world of college music, and then taking on theater gigs, local theater gigs, and stuff. I remember just how frustrating it was that whoever wrote the chart didn't know how to write drum music. So I had to always ignore their bolero, their cha cha, their yeah. rumba. Because it was like uh, I'm not playing that thing. Like <laughs> yeah. that is straight I'm up, you know, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is. I don't know. You got like you went Casio keyboard MIDI out to Sibelius. Yeah, <laughs> something yeah. went wrong there. I, I mean, I think in um, general, what's notated in the chart is going to be the most basic sketch of what you might play. But if it says right. cha cha, then play the cha cha that's in the. Yeah. Tommy Igo book or whatever it is, right? It just has and the the one that you have a good feel for, and then you're really just reading the the hits and the ensemble figures. Yeah, but that's that's high pressure. I I know the feeling. It's it's a bummer they didn't give you the music more ahead of time, or at least give you a recording that you could. That would be the best thing to get a recording oh, yeah. of the show. If they have a cast tape, yep. if they have rehearsal tapes, if they have the official, you know, professional recording. Because it's going to be that's going to be give you all the keys. I mean, I was when I was learning Carter's book for Lion King, I didn't look at the music that much. I just learned his his parts. I had a recording of him right. playing it, and I just learned it note for note. If I wouldn't have had right. that, I would have gone to that show and fell flat on my face, guaranteed. Really? Yeah, because really? what's in the book yeah. is not at all. I'm not 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 at all, but not not very close to what he's actually playing. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. What he plays is and quite what, different. And, and definitely what he's developed over the you know thousand shows of doing it, and yeah. it's just morphed into this thing. So, all right, everybody, well, please keep sending in your questions to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com, and we will get through as many as we can every time we can. Now, sir, it is time for Pick of the Week. Uh, would you like me to go first or do you want to go first? Why don't you go first? What do you got? All right, so I got to track it down. It's uh, here we go. This is a song that I heard today uh, while I was working out, and I've never stopped a CrossFit class to say, "Excuse me, um, I'm going to drop these weights and run over to your little amp with your Spotify, and I just need to find out what this is because that is the hottest song I've ever heard." Because um, generally, it's workout music. It's like bro, yeah, it's not you know belly dance rhythm. It's like no, it's it's it's. You know what I noticed? It's like heavy metal house. Ugh, yeah. It's like unz, oh, unz, jig, jig, jig. I hate Ow. I hate American incidental music, like Target yeah, music, agree. Walmart music. And Ugh. and today was like uh, that is hot. Like so. Anyways, um, the artist is Mac Miller, M A C M I L L E R, Mac Miller, and the song is called Dang D A N G exclamation point. It is featuring the great Anderson Pock. Uh, please, please, please. Get this is like the only time I'll ever say this. Get the non-explicit version. The explicit version, like the song grooves so hard, and this is a weird thing to say. Maybe I don't know if it really belongs here in this, but I feel that the explicit version is vulgar to a point that takes away from the art. Like the song grooves so hard and is killing it so hard, and then they hit the bridge, and there's this little rap section, which flow-wise I love, but it's got this lyrical content that honestly just is almost like childish in its vulgarity. And it kind of ruins how adult the song is. You know, it has like, like if you remember when like rap like first came out and tried to be vulgar, we knew it's like, dude, you're making this for 17 to 19 year old guys. We get it. This has like an, almost like an earth, wind and fire adult feel to it. And then out of nowhere, it's just like, check out this cuss word that I just learned yesterday. And it's like, okay. And I'm going to repeat it. And so I th- I think this – and I remember thinking, like, why didn't you just do one of those things to it? Like, it would have been so much cooler. And they did in the non-explicit version. So get the non-explicit version, uh, and then you can just enjoy it. And, and by the way, Anderson Pock is not a part of that. Um, he's just part of the chorus. But the song grooves so hard. So the song is called Dang. I think it would be a great song for those of you, especially that want to work – on almost like the dance version of the Questlove feel, it's got like a little bit of that hitch and a little bit of that hiccup to it, but it's still almost four on the floor, stuck in between swing and straight. I think a lot of you would enjoy practicing to it. So uh, once again, that's Dang by Mac Miller featuring Anderson Pock. All right, cool. So I've got my first self-help recommendation from the, on the podcast. Ooh. <laughs> I think I've officially jumped a shark. Uh, I was asked by, um, I'm not even sure, the publisher, but they wanted me to check out what they're calling the Morning Sidekick Journal. It's okay. a, in the subtitle, Conquer Your Mornings, Conquer Your Life. Um, I'm not much of a journal person, and I'm not much of a self-help person, but the whole idea of this is to kind of get your morning, you know, to do something successful every morning to kind of set your day up for, you know, to be more productive, and I... I definitely need that because having the modern drummer gig and then um, being teaching and playing, if I don't accomplish stuff before seven a.m., I'm usually kind of set up to fail for the day. So, right, this is kind of it's like a thirty-day kind of crash course on how to not just sit around and drink coffee for two hours in the morning. <laughs> so each day oh, has boy. a task, and you've got to write down your goals before you go to bed. Uh, I'm just just starting it, so I can't report on whether it's really affected me much, other than the fact that every morning I make sure I get up a couple minutes earlier than I did the day before. Okay. So if, if Lisa's doing that, and I start working out in the morning rather than at night. So it's little yeah, subtle things like that, just making your bed as soon as you get out of bed, little things. Yeah, those those little chunks of accomplishments they they help you feel you know they yeah. help move your day forward. And I I originally kind of got hip to this idea by listening to a lot of military guys talk about how they yeah. structure their days and they're mm-hmm. all working out before the sun comes up. They make their bed, you know, certain little things. Like if you can accomplish those tasks every day, then you're going to feel good about yourself rather than. End of the day, you're like, oh, I didn't do anything again today that was productive. I just answered emails all yeah. day or whatever. Uh, so anyway, it's called the 
Morning Sidekick Journal. They have a couple other ones. Um, I think it's all just, it's called Habit Nest. That's the company. Okay. So your home for building healthy, healthy lifestyle habits. It's a nice little journal. Um, I'll hopefully have more to say in about a month, but that's my pick. Nice. That's awesome. Love it. Uh, I'm going to start trying out. We had, uh, do you know, I think you and I have talked about Spencer Bowman. Yep. Mapex artist, Sabian guy. So he was just here at camp and he was talking about how he's been doing the Wim Hof breathing method. I don't know what Do you that know about is. that. No. Okay. Well, I, but he he was like he's like man. I know you travel a lot. I know you get sick. If he's like if you try this, he's like I haven't been sick in over a year. And I was like okay. Well, <laughs> as long as it, I mean I'm down to try anything that doesn't involve putting things in my body. Like if somebody's like if you just try this heroin, you yeah. can be fine. <laughs> I'm like nah. I think I'm just going to go with the apple. Uh, but if it's just breathing, count me in. So I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. But I'll send you some information on it. It's pretty cool stuff. Dig it. All right. So, yeah, reminder, anyone who's interested in checking out the stuff that I'm workshopping for PASIC, go to uh, patreon.com backslash Mike Dawson Drums. Um, I'm not just trying to get you there to check out my page. I really do want you to try it and, and let me know if it helps you in any way. It's kind of been how I've been practicing for the past two or three years. It works for me. I just think maybe I'm crazy, but so I want to get some feedback for some other people. <laughs> nice. I love it. Okay, well, let's talk about old Tom Haworth. All right, Haworth. Our, our outro groove. So this is, so we have two drummers from the UK. Um, Jason's from the UK and Tom is from the UK. He is playing a 7-8 pattern, which is between the Tom and snare. Um, what's he playing? He's got a Star Classic Performer BB kit. Um, standard sizes. He's got the Gretsch Mark Schulman 13-inch snare, which is a nice drum, um, and some K symbols, but I don't think he's using those at all. So, if you're curious in the notation, we he sent that as well. So, just hit us up with an email if you want to know what he's playing. But here's Tom's beat. Check it out. Bye, Mike. See you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs>